Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4. And uh, as you're going over there, this just kept coming up in my spirit. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if somebody's believing for it or exactly what the situation is. You know, a new car isn't that big of a thing. I, I had to, I had to learn something. It's just money. Now you can, you can think about something. And you can go, yeah, but. That's a lot of money. I know, but it's still just money. See, I can't, I can't allow what I need to pay to have more power over me than the seed that I have has power over me. Mm. Hallelujah. Because I, I can sow for a car. Well, will I get it? Can't, what do you believe? See, do, do you believe the word? Because if you believe the word, mm, hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians 4, and we're going to take some time tonight and talk about this subject of demanding questions about Christ coming. Because you hear so many things today, and I talked about some of them this morning. Uh, in a, in a, uh, for a brief moment before we started. When, 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 when you start, there are so many conspiracy theories. Uh, I, I talked about some of the things today a little bit that, you know, there, there are people that, uh, you know, want to lead you to believe that, uh, you know, the mark of the beast is in place, and if you go get a vaccination, that it's the mark of the beast. And we, we showed very plainly from the Word of God that's impossible. It can't be because the mark is an actual physical thing that people can see. Amen. And uh, when you get involved listening to conspiracy theories and uh, all these other things, you're going to get off of the Word. Amen. I heard somebody ministering not too long ago, and they were talking about the president. And when they went to mention, they they called him by his name, and they said, I'm sorry, I don't call him president. Well, that's that's dishonor. Well, he's not my president. Sure enough, he is. Are you an American? Then he's your president. I didn't vote for him. Well, neither did I. But what's that got to do with anything? What I need you to see is this. When you start getting over there on these fringe things, you're going to get off the truth of the word. And it's easy to be deceived. Amen. So in all of these issues, I ask, what does the word say? What does the Bible say about it? 
Because we take the word literally. We talked today about how there are people that will say is, I've heard people say, well, you know, life will never be back to normal. But we read in Matthew 24 and Luke 17 that it will. Things will get back to normal. Yeah, when we get this in the office, it has nothing to do with who's in the office. It has to do with what the Bible says. You need to be careful putting your trust in an administration. Because now we got a lot of Christians that are looking for the great red savior to come. I lost about 50% of y'all right there. Because, because we think God's a Republican. And the other part of you think God's a Democrat. And some think he's a libertarian. God's God. God does not influence political elections like men think he does. Are you, are you following me? God doesn't add ballots to the box to make sure that this one gets in or this one gets in. God says, if that's your will, hear me. God said, you want a king? You can have one. Even when he told them in the book of Deuteronomy, he said, you're going to go into the land and a thought's going to come into your mind that you want a king like everybody else. And he said, I'm telling you, don't do that. But they came to Samuel and they said, we want a king. And Samuel went to God, what do you want me to do with this? And God said, let him have him. He said, they haven't rejected you, they've rejected me. You put your trust in God regardless of who's in the White House, regardless of it's if a Republican or a Democrat, you put your trust in God. Amen. 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 You vote morally. You vote for what's in line with the word of God. Now, am I making sense? So it's, it's, it's not what we do in the physical that's going to make the difference. It's what we do in the spirit. And it's what we believe. Glory to God. Mm. Thank you, Lord. See, there's things that you need to hold tight to. And those are things of the Spirit. Things concerning the Word. There's things we hold tight to. But then there's things you hold looser, like political things. Those things change. We can pray about it and influence it, but those things change. When I, I went out to eat today, and they had a sign on the, on the deal. Oh, by the way, our plates are a dollar more because of inflation. Well, I don't know if they really are having that hard of a time, or they just want to make more money. It doesn't matter to me. But here's, here's the point. There, 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 there are people that are, are looking at that, and they're already planning to fail. They're already planning for things to be hard. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, concerning certain things, he said, do not say this is a hard thing. Amen. Now, I'm saying all this for a reason. I hear so many ministers that are using their pulpit to, to be political and to, and to divide. Some of y'all went to Agape Church some years ago when they would have the 
uh, Christmas program, A Charlie Brown Christmas. And one year, an atheist got mad because they were bringing school children to see that program. And he said, that's a violation of the separation of church and state. You know what pastor did? He canceled the program. Why didn't he fight it? Because it didn't matter. You can get involved in things that, that are not helping anybody. You don't use your pulpit to preach against vaccines. You don't use the pulpit to preach for vaccines. You don't use the pulpit to rail about masks or to rail for masks. The Bible says you preach the word. What does the word say? I don't care if you've had 14 vaccinations. I don't care if you've had no vaccinations. That's your business. We've got to stay focused because Jesus is coming soon. We are closer now to the rapture of the church than we have ever been before. And this gospel of the kingdom has to continue to be preached to all nations as a witness. The last thing the world needs to see is the church getting in the mud pit and slugging it out about issues that mean nothing. They don't mean anything. Well, I believe pastors should be patriots. I am a patriot. I'm a card-carrying patriot. Hallelujah. I have an NRA card in my pocket. I believe in the Second Amendment. I believe in the First Amendment. I say the Pledge of Allegiance. I bleed red, white, and blue. But my first calling is to the kingdom. Not to America. I have no king but Jesus. Do you understand? This is important. Because we can get... We can get off track. I hear so many preachers quoting the founding fathers. The founding fathers are not Bible. They are not Bible. They are godly men that founded a godly nation, but they are not Bible. Hallelujah. I heard a man say this, so I'll ask you. In 20 years, 30 years, the next generation... I don't want them to be listening to one of my messages and need a thesaurus to figure out what I'm saying. What do you mean, COVID? Omicron. Omicron. Atotafacron. Okay. Stealth Omicron. Visible Omicron. What do you mean variant, that there's a new variant? What do you mean? Hallelujah. You understand? I'm not making light of anything. If we, if we don't keep the main thing the main thing, we will lose our effectiveness. People are looking for answers. 
People are looking for help. Am I helping you? Glory to God. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. I would not have you ignorant, brother, concerning, brethren, concerning them that are asleep, that you sorrow not of as others that have no hope. For if we believe Jesus died and rose again, them that sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. This we say unto you, notice this, now notice, by the word of the Lord, that we that are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not prevent them that are asleep. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. The voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Notice, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Out of the entirety of scripture, the rapture, the return of Christ, the catching away of the church is mentioned more in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians than it is in any other Bible book in the Bible. And I want you to notice what Paul said it should produce. Comfort. Comfort. Is that right? There are three great certainties concerning last things. Number one is the coming of Christ. That's certain. He's coming. You say, how do we know he's coming? Because he said he was going to die and that he was going to raise again, and that he was going to ascend to the Father, and that he was going to come again. It's pretty good odds that if he did the first three, he's going to do the last one. So he's coming again. That's a certainty. The second thing that's very certain is the resurrection of the dead. The righteous dead and the unrighteous dead will be resurrected to stand at judgment. The third is the eternal state of the person. Heaven or hell, eternal state. A lot of people tend to focus on the least and the less certain aspects of last things. Like, uh, when's the temple going to be rebuilt? Who cares? I'm not going to be here. I I need you to see that. But there, there are people that write books about the next temple. I'm never going to see it. You're never going to see it. The church is never going to see it. We have no idea when it's going to occur. Amen. The time of Jesus coming. Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour, just my father. So it doesn't do you any good to try to figure it out. He said for us to occupy until he comes. Amen. The identity of the Antichrist. I said this morning, ever since I've been in church, every pope has been the Antichrist. That guy, that pope, boy, he's the Antichrist. And all of them have died. Joseph Lieberman was the Antichrist. Amen. My grandmother came home. My grandmother, uh, Grandmother Steele, came home from church one night, and she was telling everybody. She said, I know who the Antichrist is. We found out tonight. Who is it? Nixon. That's when you saw Nixon. I am not the Antichrist. But... <laughs> you understand? It, it, the Bible tells us he's a world diplomat of the first order. 
it gives us an idea where he's going to come from. But here's what I want you to understand. That, that holds no bearing for the church. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians that we are the ones that are withholding him being revealed. He cannot be revealed while we're here. Oh, glory. They focus on the identity of the two witnesses. I've had people get mad, argue with me. I know who the two witnesses is. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because the Bible, it's one of the six unknowns of Revelation. No one knows who the two witnesses are. You can think you do. You can surmise. I know who it is. It's Moses and Elijah. That's impossible. Because Moses died. And the two witnesses die again. You can't die twice. It's Enoch and Elijah. Well, okay, that, if that's what you want to believe, but the Bible doesn't say it. What does the Bible say? So if you say that's, and now I'm, I'm, I'm making this all for a reason. If you say that's what it is, you've got to brand it your opinion. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I had a guy call me one time. Man, up way up like 2 o'clock in the morning. And the phone rang. And I answered the phone. And he said, Pastor. I said, yes. He said, you know the, the two witnesses in the Bible? I said, yes. He said, they're Moses and Elijah, right? And I said, I don't know. He said, well, I'm one of them. I'm Elijah. I said, you're a devil. Calling me at 2 o'clock in the morning to tell me some stuff. He wanted to meet. So we met the next night. Me and Pastor Michelle went to meet Elijah. Said, what'd you do? My wife cast the devil out of him. (laughs) Cast the devil out of Elijah. Now, the the reason I'm saying all that is we don't know. And, and it gets us off the main, the main thing. The tribulation, the judgment, the bowls, the trumpets. Folks, listen. All of that's going to happen. But you're not here. That's for a wicked world that has rejected Christ. Are you following me? The problem with focusing on those things is that most of the answers won't be known till the event occurs. And we need to focus on the absolute certainties that we find in the Word. There are four things that will occur when Jesus returns. Number one, he said there will be a heavenly announcement. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Jesus is so excited about coming back to get you that he's shouting. Glory to God. Isn't that that wonderful? So we know there will be a heavenly announcement. There will be a shout. There will be a voice. And there will be a trumpet. And we know the dead in Christ will rise first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All living believers will be instantly translated. Instantly, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. We hear one second and gone the next. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Both groups will be suddenly translated and transported to meet Jesus in the clouds just above the atmosphere of the earth where Jesus stops and awaits us coming to him. Amen. Verse 13, it says, I would not have you ignorant about them that are asleep. So Paul states that the first purpose of this letter is to teach. And then he says the second is to comfort them. Comfort them. Believers who have who lose, if we can say it that way, loved ones grief. But if we have a grasp on the state of those who are gone and of the coming of Christ, sorrow may exist for a moment, but it's nothing compared to what the world deals with. Amen. The entire subject of the coming of Christ is to teach and comfort. To teach and comfort. If you hear last day's teaching and you're not comforted and exhorted, it was wrong. It's just that simple. You cannot hear a message that's an hour and a half about how bad things are and then the last five minutes is, but don't you worry. Hallelujah. If we believe what we preach, the church is not going out of here hiding. We're not going out of here with a whimper. We're going out of here with complete victory over the devil. Amen. Hallelujah. We're, we're not going out of here with rations of beans in a cave somewhere trying to save our beanie weenies from anybody getting them. We're going out of here the triumphant church that we already are. The way the church was birthed is the way the church will go out. It was birthed in power, it exists in power, and it will leave in power. Amen. Am I helping you? Verse 14, he said, if we believe Christ died and rose again, them that sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. Oh, glory. Notice, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So there's a conditional clause here. I have to believe that Jesus died and rose again. It means that what's being taught here, peace and joy, won't be true for everybody because everybody doesn't believe Jesus died and rose again. But for those of us that believe Jesus died and rose again, there's nothing but peace and comfort. Peace and comfort. When, when my dad passed away, when my dad passed away, the Lord had told me a year and a half before he passed away that he was going to pass away. He, and and he, he told me that. And he said, I want you to prepare yourself. And so I did. I prepared myself. And, and at, at the viewing, at the funeral, of course, it was right in the middle, middle of, of right after uh, all the restrictions for COVID had hit. And, 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 and so, you know, there, there, there were family that were there in their cars. They couldn't come and, and be a part of it. But uh, the, the, the point is, and, and I say this because uh, I, I, I'm not the kind of man that never cries. Pastor Michelle and I will sit and watch a, like a, 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 a teary movie. And I cry. 
Amen. I've always had a tender heart. Man, I just, I, 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 I cry. If you cry, I cry. <laughs> Man, don't do that to me. Right? But here, here's what I'm saying. So, so it's not that, that I'm not an emotional person. But when I went in that funeral home and saw my father's body lying there, this overwhelming comfort came over me because he's face to face with the person he loved the most. He's face to face with the person that healed him of a heart condition and a tumor on the brain and a crippling condition in his body. He's, he's, the, he's face to face with the person that he served his entire life from the age of 13. He spent over 50, almost 60 years preaching the gospel, preaching the name of how could I be anything but comforted and full of joy. Glory to God. Amen. Others were crying, and I was able to comfort them. I was able to be strong for my mother and help my sister. But here's what I want you to understand. I was not refraining from crying because I was just being, you know, a stiff upper lip. I knew he's somewhere that I want to be. Everybody doesn't have that comfort. The world doesn't have that comfort. They have no, they have no defense against sorrow. But we do. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that good? The verse 16 says, The Lord himself shall descend. The Lord himself shall descend. Himself underscores the person. The Lord himself. It underscores the person of Jesus, the appearing, the actuality, the factuality of his coming. Jesus is coming again. Glory to God. I don't know when it is. The rapture could happen at any second. We could all be out of here before we get home tonight. We could all leave right now. There's not one more Bible prophecy that has to be fulfilled for the rapture of the church to occur. It is imminent. The heaven is shaking right now with the anticipation that Jesus is about to hear the words from his father. Go and get my church and bring them to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it is factual. It is actually going to happen. The Lord Himself. Glory be to God. Woo, hallelujah. Boy, that makes me want to shout. Amen. Thinking about how excited Jesus is to come and get his church. The church he purchased with his own blood. The church that he bought and paid for with his life. That he loved us so greatly that he laid down his life for us. And he's chomping at the bit to come back and get his church. And he said, I don't want anybody else to go. I'll go back myself and get my church. Hallelujah. Next time somebody starts talking to you about the dark lords of the universe and how all these billionaires are trying to turn the currency of America and and trying to take everything you have and they want a one world government. And did you hear what he said about we got to take the lead in this new order? The Lord himself is coming after me. Coming after you. 
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, the Lord himself is coming after me. I might be preaching and just go. I might be sleeping and just go. I might be running and just go. But I'm one day I'm just going to go. And the Lord himself will be the one shouting about coming back and getting me. Jesus is excited to come get you. Woo! See why it comforts you? Jesus is anticipating the day that he can come and get you. Glory to God. Amen. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I, I can't worry about anything when I think about Jesus wants to come and get me. Hey, hallelujah. It's, it's not an escape. It's, it's a reward. It's not an escape. I'm not escaping the trouble. Jesus said in the book of John, in the world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. The problems in the world are not affecting me. Because my system is not of the world. My system is of the kingdom. When Jesus comes to get me, it's going to be a reunion in heaven. It's going to be me standing in the presence of my Father. It's not getting out of trouble. It's getting to my reward. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We have victory right now. We have power and authority over every demon. Over serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. God doesn't have to come get us to let us escape and to get out of trouble. We have victory over trouble right now. No matter what comes on the world, I'm more than a conqueror. I have victory in all things because I am born of Christ. I am in God and I am in Christ. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I cannot be defeated. He's coming to get me because He wants to be with me. Glory. Oh, hallelujah. When Jesus comes for his church, he's going to shout. He's going to shout. Hallelujah. Shout means a cry of incitement or to give a command. Hallelujah. Some believe that the, the angel in Revelation 10.6, the Bible says there's a, an angel in Revelation 10.6 that comes and puts one foot on the land and one foot in the sea and he shouts, time is no more. Some believe that's Jesus. Time is no more or I will wait no longer. I'm done waiting. I'm going to come and get my church. Glory to God. See, this is, we can be sure of this. I don't know what the government's going to do tomorrow, but I know what Jesus is going to do. I don't know what China's going to do, but I know what Jesus is going to do. I don't know what Russia's going to do, but I know what Jesus is going to do. And if I know what Jesus is going to do, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. Because Jesus is sure and steadfast. 
Jesus can't lie. The government can change tomorrow. Jesus cannot change. Government can change next week, but Jesus cannot change. From the moment the Holy Spirit authored these words, this has been God's plan. This has been God's mode of operation. I shall see him face to face. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. A while ago, I preached myself happy. The voice, there's the voice of the archangel. Jesus shouts, time is up. And the archangel says, now come. Glory to God. Jesus steps and puts one foot on land and one foot on sea and says, I will wait no more. And the archangel says, y'all, come on. Glory to God. And you don't even got to try. You're whoop, gone. Hallelujah. Glory to God. No effort. You're whoop, gone. Isn't that great? Verse 17, he talks to us about the rapture. We that are alive and remain will be caught up. Very important word, caught up. You won't find the word rapture. In the Bible, in the New Testament, rapture is a Latin word, raptere, all right? But it's, it's translated here in the Greek, caught up. It's the Greek word harpazo. It means to be caught up from one place to another. It means to be caught up, to snatch, to, literally means to be snatched violently. It carries this important connotation that the person that's involved in this is going to change locations. Uh huh. <laughs> the word rapture is used to describe, for instance, a music lover hearing a classical piece of music and he's caught up in it. And he feels like, you know how you'll be in, in worship, in, in church, and, 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 and we'll sing a song and the Holy Spirit will light on that, and it's like you're just being carried away. That's rapture. Amen. That's rapture. The word rapture has to, be, has to do with being caught up. And that's why it's the word used. He said that, the, the, that they that we that are alive and remain will be caught up. Will be caught up to be together with them in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Jesus stops just above the firmament, just above the, 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 the clouds. And the Bible says that we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. The catching away is sudden. The verb here describes a sudden snatching away. Jesus will return for the church and take them out of the world suddenly. <sighs> See, I'm, I'm going to reiterate this. We know this is going to happen. I don't know about that other, but I know this. I don't know who the two witnesses is, but I know I'm going. I don't know who the Antichrist is, but I know I'm going. Because he doesn't tell me who the Antichrist is, but he does tell me I'll be caught away. That's why you comfort each other with those words. There's no comfort in who's the Antichrist. Well, you know all those pictures they had of body bags, you know, that was fake because they had people, you know, that were smoking cigarettes and, and, you know, that was all fake. I don't care if it is fake. Can I tell you I don't care? 
I don't care if it is fake. This is what I care about. What's the word say? You can get so focused on things that mean nothing and watching numbers. There are people that can tell you how many people are on ventilators in the state of Arkansas right now, how many COVID cases there are, because they watch all the tickers and they watch all the news and they, they can't tell you anything that's going on in the spirit realm. They couldn't tell the times and the season if they walked in the house with a red hat on. Because they're too focused on other things. Preachers are using valuable preaching time to preach their political agenda and try to change the administration when that's not the answer. It's not the answer. You got to pray right and vote right, but that's not the answer. If we have not learned anything over the past six years, it's that man does not have the answer. This world is temporal. Everything about this world is temporal. I don't care what you believe about the election. If you believe there was fraud, you can believe that. That's your right. You do that. If you don't believe there was, then that's fine. You have a right to do that. But here's what we know. Fraud or no fraud, it's temporal and changeable. This is eternal and unchangeable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jude 23, where it says some, we pull out of the fire. We snatch them out. It's the same word. Pulling quickly, suddenly, so they're not burned up. The judgment of God's coming on the earth. And God says, got to get my people out of there quickly. Boom, quick. Before anything happens, we're gone. And the moment we're gone, the wrath of God gets poured out. Hallelujah. But we are at the marriage supper of the Lamb, receiving our rewards. Oh, glory to God. Look, look, look at chapter 5 there, 1 Thessalonians, verse 9. Am I helping you at all? For God has not appointed us to wrath. Now stop right there for one minute. But you'll hear ministers saying, the wrath of God's being poured out. Cannot be. Because we have no appointment with wrath. Folks, we're in troubled times. We're in the birth pain stage. There's trouble all around. Wars, rumors of wars. Famines, pestilences, earthquakes in different places. But what did Jesus say right after that? The end's not yet. Did Jesus say that? Then the end's not yet. Because what do we believe? We believe what Jesus said. So, so what does that mean? You're going to get up tomorrow and you're going to go to work and you're going to go in faith and you're going to go believe in God. You're going to lay down tonight knowing that the times and the seasons are in God's hands. They're in God's calendar. And all I got to know is before any wrath is poured out, I'm gone. Yeah, but what if they do this and what if they do that? You cannot operate in faith holding on to the what if. Yeah, but we're turning into a communist nation. I don't find any caveat in Scripture that says God can only move in a democratic nation. I'm not making light of those things. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying is people get wrapped up in that. 
and they forsake this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, God's not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. God didn't appoint us to wrath. It simply means this, that whatever else may happen on this earth with troubles and trials, the redeemed will never experience the outpouring of God's wrath. That's what it means. We have no appointment with wrath. We have an appointment with salvation. Isn't that good news? But if you hear many people, oh, dear God, God's about to pour out his wrath. No, he's not. No, he's not. I showed you today. He could not pour out wrath on the earth until Noah was gone. He could not pour wrath out on Sodom and Gomorrah until Lot was gone. Those are pictures of the righteous. You are the righteous. So important. Some people believe God's just looking for a reason to pour out his fury on mankind. The only way for God to cleanse the earth of what man has done to it and is doing to it through sin and enter into a new era of his ordained design is to purify it with his judgment. But we're gone. The trumpet here is the last trumpet call. After this, the wrath of God begins to be poured out. But not before the church is gone. That's why he said, this is comfort. See, this is comfort. Will things get back to normal? Yeah. Because the Bible says. Well, I don't know if I believe that. That's up to you. You believe what you want. But what's the Bible say? The Bible says, as it was Before the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, and they knew not what was going to happen until Noah had entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. So before Noah entered into the ark, was Noah on the earth before he entered into the ark? So Noah was there as a righteous man, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, conducting his life. And God said, now get in the ark. And he got in the ark, God closed the door, the wrath came. Yeah, but I don't have an ark. You do. You, you've already entered into the ark. You've already entered into the ark, Christ Jesus. He said, I am the door. I'm the door where? I'm the door into the ark. And when you entered into Christ, God shut the door. <laughs> I, I am wrath immune because I'm in the ark. This is what you got to focus on. I said, that's what you got to focus on. Yeah, but the dollar's going to bottom out and it's not going to be worth anything. That's why you get your finances out of the kingdom. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? Well, China's buying everything up. The earth is the Lord's. I don't care if China buys every block in Little Rock. God will make a way for me because the earth is not China's. The earth is the Lord's. And he has given it to the children of men. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
China's not in authority. I'm in authority. They're not in charge. I'm in charge. Glory to God. Well, we need somebody that will stand up to them. We need a church that will keep their mind on the main thing and stay spiritual about what's going on and not get sidetracked over into a bunch of garbage that's temporal and doesn't mean anything. We're the force to be reckoned with in the earth. China has tried for years, multiplied years, to stamp the church of the living God out. And there are still 1,000 to 1,500 people being born again every day in China. They can't stop the church. Nobody can stop the church. Glory to God. He talks about the believers that have died in Christ. Verse 13. I will not have you ignorant, brother, concerning them that are asleep. Now he refers to these believers that have died. And it's an important distinction when we say they died and were believers in Jesus Christ. Why? Because why? Paul did not use the word dead. He used the word sleep. Why is that? It's because that what Jesus did to death through his death and resurrection has so robbed death of its fear and power. Death has been mangled in terms of its capacity. To the believer, it's sleep. Grave, where is your victory? Death where is your sting? Doesn't exist. Because Jesus has robbed it of its authority and robbed it of its power. If Jesus doesn't return, every one of us in here will fall asleep in Christ, but there will be no pain. There will be no sting of death. We won't even taste it because the Bible says Jesus tasted death for every man. Whew. Oh, glory to God. See, once again, I'll say to you, these things are sure. These things are sure. Everything else is uncertain, not this. What he said is what's going to happen. And he said, comfort each other with these words. Jesus said concerning the last days, he said, don't be deceived and don't be troubled. Now, Jesus said, don't be troubled. I said, Jesus said, don't be troubled. You can't start worrying. Well, my family, my kids, what are they going to do? What, what if this and what if that? And, you know, a after all, I mean, they, they, they haven't even got to live yet. And I, I mean, what are we going to do? We're going to believe God. We're going to believe God. Folks, that's what we're going to do. See, <clears throat> If you believe God, and you believe everything God said, and he said that the time we're living in was a time of comfort, if we really believe Jesus is about to return, my goodness, why aren't we shouting it from the housetops? I refuse 
get pulled into a political mudslinging contest with people. I don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. Amen. I said, I don't have time for it. When, 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 I, was, when I was at Prophet Ford's for the five days of healing that we had, it became so clear to me how many people are hurting in the world. Sick with incurable diseases. Sick, dying. I had people come up in that line and basically say, if something doesn't change, this can be the end. And that's, that's all throughout the world. That was a small sampling. And those people were believers. What's going on in the world? What's going on where non-believers are? The church acts like we're hopeless against COVID like the world is. The church acts like it can destroy us just like it destroys the world. And I've got close friends that have passed away from that. Complications from that. I'm not making light of it. But here's what I'm trying to explain to you. If the Bible says, if the Bible says, no plague will come near your dwelling. That's what the Bible says. There are people in the sound of my voice. You've dealt with that demonic stuff and you overcame it. Here you are. I prayed for many of you. Prayed for you in the hospital. Prayed for you over the phone. Prayed for you personally. And here you are. Why? Because it doesn't have power over you. It doesn't have power over you. You might, you, might, you might deal with it, but you dealt with it. The Bible says we're not like the world that has no hope. Hallelujah. Because isn't it interesting that when the news cycle changed and they found something new to focus on, COVID went away. I'm not saying it's not here. I'm saying that's what you would think. This is what's sure. This is, folks, listen, listen to me. The numbers can go up and the numbers can go down. This is where our security's at. Hallelujah. I will not fear death. The fear of death has been taken away. Because you and I are eternal beings. And if we live to see the rapture, we're going to go in a moment and in the twinkling of an eye. But if we go by the way of the grave, the moment our eyes close, we're with Jesus. <sighs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Money from heaven. No, not really. Glory to God. This is important. And I'll, I'll leave you with this. I just, I just want to encourage you. Don't pay more attention to temporal things than you do spiritual things. There are people that spend their days looking at news, surfing the web, finding conspiracy theories. And here's the thing. Google is not your friend. You can find anything that you want on Google. If you have an opinion, you can find somebody on Google that agrees with you. Whether they're right or wrong. 
all those people that are saying that, who made them experts? Yeah, but they're a doctor. What does that mean? Jack Kevorkian was a doctor. Just because they have doctor on the end of their... There are people that have doctor at the end of their name and you wouldn't watch their Christian broadcast for two minutes because of the unbelief they preach. But they're a doctor. Well, this doctor said this. You don't know him. You don't know if he's a doctor. He put a table up in the corner of his bedroom. Got a camera. And there's people following their advice. This is the advice you follow. What's the Bible say? You be led. The answer to a thousand and one questions is be led. Be led. Be led by the Holy Spirit. I had somebody come and ask me. They said, Pastor, should, should, should I get a booster shot? I don't know. Yeah, but what do you think? That's irrelevant. I'm not going to tell you what I think. What are, you, what are you being led to do? And if you think, listen, Lord, I need to say this. Can you give me one minute? If you are so anti-vaccine, why are you? Because you're being led not to do it? Or Google's leading you not to do it? How many here have raised children? Let me ask you a question. Did you vaccinate them when they went to school? Did you? Were they vaccinated against measles, mumps, rubella, chicken pox? Right? Now, here's the thing. Listen to me. Are there instances where there were side effects with those vaccines? And you have a fringe group that's completely anti-vax for kids. You follow me? I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I'm trying to explain something to you. That the same people that would take their kids faithfully to get them vaccinated... are now on a bully pulpit and basically coming close to saying that the Lord doesn't want you to get vaccinated. That's a lie. That's a lie. You be led. I said, you be led. Ever what it is, you be led. That, that's, that's the Bible prescription. Yeah, but this guy said this, and, and they said this, and, and they said this. Yep, but, but what are you being led to do? There are people on the sound of my voice that received a vaccination, and you're fine. Yeah, but you just don't know what may happen down the road. Yeah, and you keep opening your mouth with that fear, and you'll open yourself up to everything that the person that got vaccinated should get or, or could get, and you'll get it without getting vaccinated because your words will draw it to you. You will have what you say. Amen. Am I helping you? This is what's sure. I said, this is what's sure. Well, all they're doing is making money. Well, did you really think they were going to create something and not make any money off of it? 
Pfizer has made over $40 billion off their vaccine. Moderna has made $39.5 billion. I have a problem with that. Yeah, it's the love of money. Well, yeah, it's the love of money. But why do you think they created the, right? You think they weren't going to make money off of it? You think people were making masks to be nice? You, you think hand sanitizer companies started ramping up production because they liked you so much? They knew you would go buy it. And they made a lot of money off of it. And the sad reality of it is there will be people that milk it for every dollar that it's worth. They will squeeze Abe until you see a tear come out of his eye. But you have to be led. I, I, I'm being strong about this for a reason. If you get over there and you start focusing on things that, that are conspiracy theories and just junk, you'll violate your spirit. You'll dirty up your spirit. You'll contaminate it. And you won't be hearing because you have so much junk in your spirit. And if you should get a shot, you won't hear it because you've got too much junk in your spirit. I don't listen to it. I don't listen to it. Well, pastor, did you get a shot? That's irrelevant. Whether I did or not, that's not how you make your choice. You make your choice based on what the Holy Spirit says. Amen. Amen. I, listen, and, and I'll just tell you, I don't mind telling you, just for, just for the sake of talking, yes, I did. And, and I've, I've had preachers look at me like I don't have any faith. I just refer back to James. Well, you, you, you talk about your faith. I'll show you my faith by what I'm doing. Let me show you my faith over the last 24 years. Let me show you my faith in this ministry right here. Let me show you my faith that in the last three years, in the, in the year of the pandemic, we had the best year to that time financially than we've ever had. The second year, the year after the pandemic, we had an even better year, and this year is on pace to be the best year ever. Hallelujah. I don't worry about little spurts. I've been criticized by experts. Well, I don't feel like I should. Then you be sure you're being led. I was led to take the step I took. Well, Pastor, that kind of changes my view of you. I'm sorry that you're carnal. I'm sorry that you're carnal and have no spiritual perception. Because it makes no difference 